0: everybody good evening i'm mike Shoke with adam krautworst it's the draft sharks invitational podcast that's right we're doing another one even though the draft sharks invitational is over for this year or do we have a recount or something we're not Doing that tonight, we're not uh, digging back into the regular season, right, Adam? This is about yeah. the playoffs and the playoff challenge.
1: Yeah, I think anyone that competed in in Georgia maybe gets to gets to kind of recount this this whole thing. But if you didn't play in Georgia, I think you're stuck with what the with uh, right. what the what the final result was.
0: That's in the past. Congrats again to Pete Overzet, our winner. Let's focus on the postseason. We'll do that shortly. We'll bring on Austin Martin, who won the FFPC playoff challenge last year so it'll be really interesting to find out about his strategy and what to look for this year as a lot of fantasy players are trying to put the puzzle together for their lineup or lineups by Saturday afternoon. Beer of the week a long-running tradition and a popular one on this show <laughs> uh, as as we both know Adam. Uh, what's the choice tonight?
1: That's right so tonight I'm, I'm going kind of from your vein no beer here so this is Pittsburgh Dairy Chocolate Milk which I know you're familiar with Mike I think. <laughs> I think. and screwball, which is peanut butter whiskey. You mix that together and that is a peanut butter cup tonight. I'm super excited because Austin's going to school us on everything playoff fantasy. And I, I'm just going to soak it all in and it's going to be a great show. But if you learn nothing from Austin tonight, if Austin's going to learn anything tonight, it's going to be this drink right here. If he's not already drinking it, uh, it's amazing. So cheers.
0: You know, I've been listening to you talk to me about this drink, and I have the screwball, but I have not partaken yet. I'm I'm not yet able to leave this room. I'm in isolation <laughs> here. I'm in COVID isolation. I don't know if it came up last week, but I had tested positive. I guess Wednesday was the test. And so my wife and kids are elsewhere in the house. I don't have a beer of the week. It's not because I'm playing it so safe. I do have a wine tonight. Okay. Really, My wife has come to like. She brings up a bottle now. This was yesterday, and I'll drink a little bit of it. I won't pound the whole bottle at night. I hope you uh, understand. But a little red wine here to celebrate the playoffs and the new year.
1: Happy New Year! Yes, sir. Happy New Year.
0: So, before we bring on Austin, I see you're keeping yourself busy with mock drafts for next year. I like. uh, I like the idea.
1: Yeah. So, um, Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, Darren Armani invited me graciously to this uh mock draft we just did. It's, it was a two-round FFPC-style mock, and it got heated. It was it was fantastic. Everybody was, <laughs> Everyone was arguing about the picks. It was sensational. That's exactly what I was looking for to get the juices flowing. So, of course, I drew the 12 spot naturally. But, yeah, I just wanted to talk, see if there was anything interesting, because I know last week we talked about where we thought kind of the first round would go, and it was funny. Like The, the next day I get invited to the mock draft. So, yeah, I kind of think standard M- M- McCaffrey, Cook, probably – but then um, overhyped sleeper, I think that's Dan Williamson. Jonathan Taylor, third overall. How do, you, how do you feel about that, Mike?
0: We did one on WGR a couple of weeks ago, and I, I put him sixth. I, okay. I think there I think there are a lot of names. And as we talk about next year more, of course, we're barely into the offseason, if we're even into the offseason technically. I wonder if more wide receivers won't make it into the first round. With There's more depth at running back, I think. Uh, especially after the first couple of guys. So I do think Taylor is a perfectly fine idea uh, in the middle of the first round or like four or five when it comes to running backs. McCaffrey and Barkley, just like a year ago, even with their injuries, will still be a thing at the top of drafts next year.
1: Yeah, I want to see, you know, I'd love for him to get, I mean, he's a really good receiver. They just don't, you know, Naheem Hines there stealing all that, a lot of that receiving work. You know, I kind of like more of an all around back. Not that he's not an all-around back. I like a uh, coach that's going to treat him more like an all-around back. I love Jonathan Taylor. We've talked about him all year. I had him everywhere. Uh, I wish he would have kind of popped off sooner. It would have helped a couple more of my teams. But three is too high for me. I would take. I would still take Kamara over him. I would still take a healthy Barkley over him. Maybe even D- Derek Henry. But I think he's definitely up there. But, yeah, I was expecting to see some receivers go here in the first round, too. And it was kind of sick having to take you know the number four. Receiver at the 12 spot. It's kind of, it's kind of gross having to do that, but yeah, but the the other interesting pick to me was Zeke Elliott at nine to rich rebar. there, Lord Reeves. Are you, are you an Elliott guy in 2021?
0: I could be, I think it depends on Prescott. I mean, I I feel like if somehow Dallas blows it with Dak Prescott and he's somewhere else, then I would never, I don't think I'd be anywhere close to Elliott, at least early. But um, with Prescott there, I would like to think that Elliott, I mean, Elliott, is not great in the sense that if you don't have the sit, especially at his aid, I would say if you don't have the situation, I would be worried about. I think there are better options, but with Prescotts there, you have to wonder what the injury recovery is in terms of his mobility and his his play. But I, I could see, I could see Elliott being someone you get early in round two in drafts and end up really winning if if you get the right, if you get that, you know that Dallas. Offense again, like it was before Prescott went out. I mean, I don't think I mean, Elliott's—he's paid too. Like he'll be there, right? So I, I think he'll be one of a few really interesting guys. And I think press for me, Prescott has almost everything to do with it.
1: It's so interesting to me. Like Zeke's a guy. Immediately, I'm like, eh, no way. I would take, you know. When we talked last week, I think I want to lean a little bit more towards the receivers you know, next year at the end of the first round, because they're just, you know, outside of injury, they're just more consistent, they're explosive. And I immediately am like, no way Zeke, but I feel like he could be that Todd Gurley from like three years ago where, you know, he had, that hor- he had that great year. Then he had that horrible year. Everybody was off of him. He went, you know, at the end of the second round, early third round in these main events and stuff. And, you know, people who stacked him with, I think it was Le'Veon Bell maybe that year that was a stud. But basically anyone who went, you know, had him as their number two back or number two pick won all the money. So that's what scares me. Is Zeke comes in m- motivated in a, in a good offense with Dak and just scores, you know, 13 or 14 touchdowns. And, you know, you're kind of kicking yourself. I think... He's fine value here, if that's kind of what your hope is. But I could see him kind of being all over the board come you know football guys drafts in May. So it'll be interesting there. But outside of the first round, I didn't see many other things. I you know I went receiver receiver here, Diggs Metcalf. Those were the next two on my board. I don't really have a board right now, but it just felt it just it felt right. I don't know where Aaron Jones is going to be. You know I don't know about DeAndre Swift there yet over some of the receivers, and it was interesting Darren Armani who always every year posts. About how, you know, risk going tight end, tight end never really works. He went tight end, tight end. So uh, I wonder if he would do that with money on the line. But um, but mm-hmm. Dobbins excites me. You know, there's a couple of guys, Jefferson uh is really good. So yeah, I think um I think it was it was a really fun experience to kind of get my brain flowing for, for, for next season.
0: There are a lot of names. Maybe that's par for the course, but I can think of names yeah. I don't see. <laughs> and, and wide receiver wise, you know, seeing Diggs crack that first round. It makes sense. I mean, why why wouldn't a, a player think that what happened this year could be close to repeatable next year? I mean, he put up almost 100 yards a game. Allen will be there. We'll see about the offensive coordinator, but a lot of that should be alike. So um, seeing Diggs up there above guys like Ridley and even DeAndre Hopkins is interesting, too. Well, we've got, what is it, eight months or so to fine tune these, uh, these drafts for next year. You're off to a good start. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of Diggs, I've looked up Austin Martin today. He's going to join us now here on the Draft Sharks Invitational Podcast. We'll talk a little FFPC playoff strategy. Absolutely. And who is it on the banner on Austin's Twitter? But it's Stefan Diggs uh, with the Vikings. Look, it looks like, Austin, that's uh, the handshake with Sean Payton after the playoff game last year. Is that what
2: that is? Yep, yep, that's what that is. You got that.
0: We, we talked on my WGR show today with Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. He has a Pro Bowl vote, or not Pro Bowl, All Pro, an MVP vote. And he said for first team All Pro, his two receivers were Diggs and Jefferson. It's incredible. Isn't it? Like how that worked out. That might actually, I don't know if there'll be one too. You got Adams and other guys who had great years. But what uh, that trade, Adam, right? That trade is likely to be remembered for a long time. Because as Aaron put it on our show, both teams... Did great.
1: Yeah, it, it's incredible that, yeah, it was a perfect trade for both for, for both teams. You know, Ed, being a Bills fan, I wish I wish it wasn't. You know, I hate, I'm not going to do it. Diggs is the awesome. He's been the best. I'm not going to say, hey, but what if we had Jefferson five years younger? I'm not going to do that because Diggs has been everything they needed him to be. And who knows if Allen would have taken the step that he did without a veteran receiver like Diggs. But yeah, it was such a great trade for both teams. And, uh, and uh, Jefferson is an absolute stud. Well,
0: Austin, uh, welcome to our show. Congrats on your win last year. It, it, I think it'll be really cool. I, Adam and I are both excited to talk about some of the strategy for this year. It seems like the fundamental question or questions with this lineup build, these builds are you got to get the teams right, but then it's knowing who is the chalk, who will everybody be on, and then how can I pivot from certain of those guys to you know get that winning lineup, the guys who are more contrarian? How, how do you think... When you put the lineup that you won with last year together, how do you think you balance that? And, I mean, I, I, when I look at this lineup, I don't see a lot of contrarian.
2: Well, I think it kind of all depends. You have to start by looking at how many teams are you building? Okay, so we, we built 10 teams, and we faded Buffalo on nine of them. We, we used Hopkins on one team. So we looked at it, and we said, we're in on Buffalo, but if we're going to have Hopkins on one team, we're going to build that team a little bit different. And we kind of just approached it that way, you know, and we kind of looked at it and said, everyone's in on Lamar, right? There were a lot of people that were saying, you just, you can't fade him in this contest. And people that are trying to do so are just, you know, being too cute. Game theory guys trying to win a contest. Well, you're playing a extremely top heavy contest. So I think you kind of have to approach it that way, you know? So that's kind of how we attacked it. We were just looking for leverage points between you know, different players on teams that we thought we were going to to advance and do well, and you know, Mostert obviously is the biggest uh, leverage play we had coming in. You know, ten percent or so, I think he was, compared to Kittle, which you know he soaked up close to seventy-five percent ownership. So yeah, um, it's just when you're playing in a contest where five hundred k up top and second place is thirty k, you know, you're not playing to tie or chop with. You know, thirty or cl- thirty of your closest friends. You're you're trying to win, so that's how we went after it.
1: Man, a couple things from that. Do you remember? So, I was horrible in this competition last year, and and I think talking to you, the main reason was so I faded the Texans and had a lot of Bills because I just thought that everyone would be on the Texans, and I thought if the Bills could get a win, and they probably should have, uh, I thought that would give me a leg up. But do you do you remember why you faded the Bills? Was it a a matchup thing? Kind of looking.
2: Oh, did I say I faded the bills?
1: No, just you said you had bills on
0: most of your other teams. or all yeah, teams.
2: yeah. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, First,
0: one they were your defense and
1: Hopkins. The uh, one selected. team you faded them. Okay, gotcha. Yep,
2: yep, yep. Yeah, so no, we were, yeah, we were we were in on the bills. and Okay. I was. I mean, I was convinced they were going to win, and I was. I'm fortunate to have had a partner, or still have a partner. Seth wasn't as confident. He, he felt like the Texans had, you know, at least a coin flip chance. And I didn't think it was close. And that's how it started. Yes.
0: Right? <laughs> that's <laughs> okay. how it
2: started. And so we we felt really good coming out hot because we had lots of Josh Allen, a bunch of Smokey Brown. It was really just those two that we were in on. Yeah, we felt great in the first half and, and it just melted. And, I mean, I thought we were sending it in on the contest. You know, we had one live entry and we didn't have Delvin Cook. So week one, you know, I pretty much was, I would have been happy to just get a small portion of our money back at that point uh, with the way it started. So yeah, no, I was in on the bills. Uh, It was just one team. We used Hopkins.
1: So when you started to make these lineups last year, did you focus more on, you know, did you make like a playoff bracket and say what teams are going to advance and then, and then pick the players from there? Is that kind of how you went about, about building that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I actually do put the bracket together and, you know, map out who I think is going to win and how that's going to play out. That's kind of how you start. You reverse engineer it, start with the winners. Yep. You know, who's going to play in the Super Bowl? Because that, you know, you scored double for the Super Bowl. So that's important. So who's going to be in the game? Who has explosive potential in that game? And then how do they get there? And then, you know, so you just kind of walk it back. And then you have to start with the wildcard games. Who's going to win those games? Because you have to get that right most of the time. You can see with our lineup, we didn't get it a hundred percent. We had Bailey Vikings somehow pulled out a win in New Orleans. Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't really think we had a chance after that.
0: I mean, you left New England off, and that was, you know, that you, you needed a little bit of confidence to do that. They were not a score a good scoring team, but they were New England. So you were successful in leaving them off. They lose the game to Tennessee. Austin Mostert's the key man, right? You know, you, the way that you, if you're a Viking fan. You had the game in, in San Francisco where Coleman went down, or it was the next week. Coleman had a good game against Minnesota. And then he got hurt against Coleman Green Bay. I,
2: I think Coleman came out and scored two touchdowns and then got a little bit dinged up. Yeah. Who knows what happens? I mean, he probably most probably doesn't score four touchdowns. I'm guessing that. Mm-hmm. Uh if Coleman doesn't get dinged up. But you know, we looked at it and we said if if San Fran's going to Make it to the Super Bowl. If they're going to have success, how are they going to do that? It's because they're going to be having success on the ground. Kittle is going to score points. You know, he's going to put up numbers. But if they're really going to go to the Super Bowl, I think it's because they have success on the ground. And who has the most potential out of that backfield? To me, it was Mostert. He did yeah. have a
0: string of touchdowns, Adam, going into the playoffs last year. He, he came on in the last five, six weeks. So, uh, you got the production there and you you probably did well with the the ownership share too on that player so they're they you know the results speak for themselves
1: yeah exactly that's kind of what i pulled up here is um it's i know it's hard to see but these are the rosters from last year's $200 uh playoff challenge and you don't get till uh, team 11 is right. the first team that doesn't have have Mostert you know so it just goes to show you like you get that one contrarian play where you don't play Kittle you play Mostert now do you remember Austin did you have Kittle on all the rest of your teams
2: no we had uh six Mostert and four Kittle
1: okay well very very nice very
2: nice yeah so we were pretty aggressive with them
1: what
0: one more thing you remember like the Super Bowl going to the Super Bowl what place you were in
2: we were in first going in so that was a long two weeks
0: how much Mahomes competition did you have
2: there was no one behind us that had Mahomes really with another player that we, you know, there was one a little ways down that had Debo that if Debo went just ballistic, he had a chance. But, yeah, um, you know, so there was a moment there in the fourth quarter where I thought it was Debo streaking. It was Sanders. Jimmy <laughs> G missed him. That had my heart racing for a minute there.
0: I had a Debo Samuel Super Bowl MVP prop that I, for like a half, it looked kind of interesting but where I won last year was on Mahomes rushing under on the kneel downs. Remember the, remember the kneel downs at the end of the Super Bowl when he ran backwards a couple of times. There you go. That was a fun one. It probably didn't affect you here, l- looking at it. So, um, Adam, if you have more questions on last year, please. I'm thinking about soon. We'll want to talk about what the plan is for this year and how, how we attack that.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, it's in- it's just interesting to think back too because you know, what What a great strategy, what, what a great team, and just to think about how, you know, obviously the Bills game sticks out most in my mind, because that was the one I was locked into the most, but to think Hopkins was basically getting shut out at halftime by Trey, by Trey White, and they were getting killed, and you're thinking, well, this team, you know, you might have had other teams that looked good, and this team looked dead, but, you know, you look down at all the teams, everyone's got Hopkins, 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 it's amazing how one half of playoff football can turn all these rosters all the way around, so... Mark Andrews, who didn't do, you know, played one one game, I think, right? Yes. Uh, you know, on all these teams, so it's good to know that like you can lose a key guy like Mark Andrews early on, um, and still have a shot at this thing.
2: Yeah, he,
0: Derek Henry is on all these teams too. I mean, that well, he played sure. three games, but the, you see a lot yeah. of common names, Austin.
2: I had asked uh, Fantasy Mojo for the optimal roster earlier today because I had forgotten what that looked like, and Darren Fells and Hollywood Brown were on it. Yeah, <laughs> names, names awesome. I was expecting to see, but uh, they that at the optimal was about eight points uh, higher than than what we posted. Thought that was interesting. So you don't have to be perfect, but close to it.
0: DK Metcalf was not obvious uh, a year ago, but he had a big game against the Eagles in their win uh, in the first round. So you see, you see some Metcalf, including on on your winning roster too.
2: I Once to got there, without my partner Seth on that, we were in ninety percent on it this was the one team we put metcalf and hopkins on so
0: worked out great when you when you set out to do your lineups what's the order for you you talked about trying to predict the brackets and doing that backwards when you go to put your lineups together do you do it do you do a certain position order when you do that or does it work a different way
2: i mean we ended up with three running backs three receivers one tight end so we didn't you know we had different combinations and i know that a lot of people are excited to jam three tight ends in last year with Kittle, Kelsey, and Andrews. and Andrews. Um, you know, but this is a three-week, four-week deal. This is not a 16-week season that we're planning out and trying to put in unique combinations like that. So no, I don't I didn't really think like I need to have four receivers, need to have four running backs. Now obviously this year they've added two two additional flex spots. So I think now it it's just gonna open everything up. It's it's gonna be harder to win. You know, a higher score is gonna take this thing down. Obviously you have more positions, but just relative to the field, I think you I think you have to be more right. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. More choices. Ultimately yeah. more choices. So kind of going this year, um, I guess that kind of transitions are you approaching your kind of your strategy any any differently as far as uh, obviously, you're gonna, like you said, you're gonna start up front, work your way backwards as far as the Super Bowl and all that stuff. But then you get to now you have you have much more decisions to make as far as players from from each team now, right? So is that gonna change it all for you? Like, how do you think that that's gonna work?
2: I had a really good idea like a week ago when I started building teams, making some assumptions, and you know, then week 17 happens, and <laughs> um, you know, so th- things have changed with with Evans. There's a little bit of risk with Kamara, maybe. Ravens got in now. So I think a little bit has changed. I've got to settle in on things a little bit more. But, you know, we're putting some teams in this contest. I haven't decided how many just yet. But, you know, similar process. I just think with the additional two flex spots, you can't approach this contest trying to like cover all your bases. You have to take some stands, especially with the extra flex spots. So that's, I think, the biggest takeaway once I started building teams. It's like you can't try and box this thing up and and just get a couple things right and think you're going to ship it. You, you know, you're going to have to take some stands, I think. That's what I've kind of figured out, just spending a little bit of time starting to build teams so far.
0: You also this year have less time on Saturday. I don't know if you're a right down to the last minute player or you want to get it done by Friday night or something so you don't overthink it, but your time noon kickoff on Saturday, that's all you get as opposed to like a 3.30.
2: Yeah, I think we I think we had all our teams built except for the last two until Saturday morning, but that proved to be pretty important because it was the tenth one that took it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, we'll look for you this year, right, Adam? We're gonna have
2: to. Austin's got a he's got a target on
1: his back. That, that's right. I wonder if he can pull an Abib. Can, can we make it a thing now? The Abib. Yeah, um, that's,
2: that's something.
1: Back, to back. That's that. That's incredible. I've seen him making the making the rounds on all the late night talk shows here uh, on, on, on Twitter, talking to everybody about about his back-to-back. That was such an incredible thing, you know. That'd be great for you to be able to do that. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it's going to be a lot more difficult this year. Well,
2: thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, good luck, Austin. Good to know you, and we'll we'll be watching your
0: results. Hopefully we'll talk again. Thanks for coming on with us. All right. Thanks so much, man. Austin Martin, last year's FFPC winner. I mean, I've been spending some time the last – Actually, three days: Sunday when the games were happening, and then yesterday and today, with uh, with different ideas. Do you have? Because I do have. I have two. <laughs> uh, do you have a pet idea right now? Like nothing is finalized, but sort of an idea that fits where it's not obvious and it's also not too ridiculous.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I think we'll talk more about. We'll definitely talk more about it on the show tomorrow with with Matt and Jared. Because um, you know, for all people who don't know me. Mike and I and Matt and Jerry are going to build some teams together and kind of attack this thing. And, um, you know, to me, I think, you know, talking to talking to Austin and talking to the year before uh, the winner there and a couple other people, you know, my kind of pet project thing is I I really think that when you've got multiple teams, I think fading at least one team, but having a, having a plan, you know, going into it kind of like DFS, right? Where you're going to attack it from a large portfolio perspective, you know? Um, And I think that to me, fading the same one or two or three or four, however many teams you decide or whatever is decided to fade, you know, to have the same strategy and same goal in mind, and then being able to pick uh, the players from the rest of the teams that are available, I think is my thought going into it.
0: So you wouldn't vary that too much. If you had a, a group of teams like Austin did, if you had 10. Do you think you would fade the same two teams on all 10?
1: I think I would fade the same two teams on all 10, yeah. I think I would – and then that – because what that allows me to do is get all of the players from all the eight teams that I think are So, Like Austin said, you got to make a stand somewhere, right? So do you make a stand on certain players? Do you make a stand on, hey, I'm going to fade – Travis Kelsey that's my stand I'm not saying that that's what we're going to do but or do you say hey I'm going to take a stand on the Redskins losing and I'm going to take a stand on the Bears losing and I'll take the players from all the other teams and I will that'll be my stand and if the Redskins beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as big underdogs then I lose but you know I I, you know that's kind of where that's my mindset I guess I could my mind could be changed on that talking to people but um, I think that that's how I would go forward because I just think that that's the best way. Cause then the, the decisions on players aren't as difficult because now it's like, well, I have, now I have plenty of room to, to, to grab three Kelsey's and three Tyree kills and two Patrick Mahomes or, you know, four Alvin Kamara's and, you know, two Michael Thomas's and two, you know, Drew Brees or whatever, you know, it just gives you the option to, I don't have to try to find a spot for Logan Thomas. I don't have to try to find a spot for Terry McLaurin. I don't have to, you know. So I just feel that it gives you a it allows you to kind of attack uh the, those remaining teams and get all of their good their good players.
0: It's all pretty sound, I think. Although, you know, Austin's maybe the the number one takeaway for me is he had that one team wow. where the recipe was different that they took him the longest to put that lineup together. Yeah. One with the variants where his partner talked him into Metcalf and what Hopkins ended up doing in two games and that won it. So I just feel like I'm always tempted to split it up too much. And maybe I end up kind of in the weeds uh, as opposed to really honing in, like you're saying, again, we'll talk about that again tomorrow, just to give you something. Cause I mentioned the idea. I'm really excited about Tyree kill in this tournament. Okay. Because of all the Kelsey love that there's almost certain to be. Yep. And, you know, if, if you're on the Chiefs, you wouldn't do that if you didn't see the Chiefs winning at least two games or playing at least two games anyway. Mahomes will have his fans and Kelsey will probably be super high owned. Yeah. But think about what Tyreek Hill is, what he's capable of ceiling wise. You want that in this if it works out. I mean, there aren't a lot of other tight end options. You might end up scrambling a little bit without Kelsey. There isn't a, a Waller in the playoffs. There isn't what Kittle was last year and yeah. even andrews is down from last year so that's what's left to figure out but uh, I, I think tyree kill is a really interesting idea here in these
1: yeah i think kelsey like you said he's going to be the chalkiest of cho- he might be the chalkiest player maybe ever in this tournament because like you said there's no other tight ends that are worth anything andrews is kind of been, you know he's had his moments i guess andrews would be the guy if you weren't going to do kelsey Andrews might be the, the guy and you kind of cross your fingers that they make a run, the Ravens make a run to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So then you I think you'd be in really good shape. But yeah, it's good, it's it's hard to get off the thought of every time Kelsey catches a pass in the Super Bowl, it's worth three points. You know what I mean? Because it's double it's double points in the Super Bowl. But I think the thing is he's just he's gonna be owned, the highest owned player by far. So I think there are definitely some builds where you could you could get away from him for sure. I you know, Ty- tyre kill's awesome. Obviously, I think it just depends on what your playoff bracket looks like and the passing defenses against receivers, what that looks like kind of working its way through the through the playoffs. Because if, for example, if you have Tyree kill against the Bills in the AFC championship game, you know, the Bills don't ever give up deep balls ever, you know, so it's like you either have to kind of hope the bills don't make it, or you kind of got to hope he pops off a deep ball or something like that, where the bills just haven't given those up. But obviously we're going to have some Tyree kill. I love Tyree kill. You can't not, not have him, but I think that's the interesting part is kind of working through your bracket and then working through the matchups to see kind of how those match up with the guys that you, that you really like.
0: Again, we'll really bang this out tomorrow night. My second favorite tight end idea is Gronkowski, Uh, especially if no Evans. Uh, at the beginning
1: yeah and that's gonna be interesting that's gonna be something we're gonna have to talk about tomorrow too because Evans might play and then what do you do with you know what do you do with Elvin Kamara right like the guy he plays Sunday I don't think we're gonna find out till Sunday morning he just has to test positive up until then you know if you have Kamara in your running back spot actually I don't even think you can you can switch guys out once the whole thing starts so you know if if Kamara doesn't play you know you might be stuck with him so that's gonna be an interesting kind of calculated risk to, to take
0: Shades of the beginning of the regular season drafts in a certain window happened and people faded Camara because of his contract, like for a day there. Yeah. So it's a little bit reminiscent of that. Well, again, look for us tomorrow night with Matt Schauf and Jared Smola, and we'll do a lot of strategy talk on this, this very same tournament. You had the mock draft for next year. And I think one thing that's interesting now in the NFL With next year in mind, is the number of teams that need coaches. And in their own way, they all are very interesting for fantasy. You know, sometimes a team makes the obvious move to fire a coach. They went 3 and 13 and they're just totally bereft of players. I mean, the Jets are somewhat like that, but the Jets are going to draft a quarterback at two in the draft almost definitely. And of course, Jacksonville will do the same at one. Both of those teams will have new coaches and new quarterbacks probably in the jet case. And so that opens a lot of things up, but you also had to have teams like Houston and the LA chargers who have a lot of, of pieces. I mean, yes, some coach is going to walk into Houston with Deshaun Watson there or to LA with the, the skill position players they have and Justin Herbert. And I, I feel like, I mean, take the Texans, the chargers too, but the Texans going into 2020, the butt was O'Brien. Yeah. I mean, you had, the Hopkins trade and David Johnson. And it was just like this sort of this dark cloud over the idea of the Texans in fantasy because of, of the coach, not only is that going to be different, it could be a lot different depending on who they end up hiring.
1: And that's a huge piece kind of in the off season to the, to the fantasy puzzle, right? Is figuring out who these coaches are, who these offensive coordinators are, are, are going to be and to have these top flight NFL quarterbacks that are going to be free and these, you know, generally when you get a new, when you get a top pick or a top two pick and you pick a new quarterback, a lot of times it's with a new coach because, you know, the coach got fired because they went one in 15. And so that's kind of, you know, kind of par for the course. We obviously have to see who they're going to bring in there. Um, I think, you know, that raises, um, you know, DJ stock down there to get a new quarterback. And, uh, you know, we could, we could talk about those guys all day, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Chanel. Exactly. Like, and we could, you know, We could do that all day and it's going to be interesting, you know, with the jets is anybody they bring in who, you know, is going to, is is going to be better. And on the flip side is the players that leave, you know, if let's say Sam Darnold gets a shot somewhere else, right. If he gets a shot in Philly, or let's say maybe he goes to Pittsburgh, as Ben's done, like, you know, what is, do, do we, do we bake the Adam Gase factor into that and kind of give him a pass, you know, but over to the, yeah. Like San Diego, what a great situation you got stud skill guys, you got, I think, I think Mike Williams is a, is a free agent, but you got, you know, you got Keenan Allen, you got uh, Austin Eckler and Herbert, just an absolute young stud quarterback. He's so good. Um, I really hope they bring in an offensive head coach and he brings in a good offensive coordinator because that offense could be a fantasy. I mean, it was a fantasy gold nine this year, but, uh, yeah. but, it, but it, it, it could certainly uh, take that, take that next step there uh, next year too. Um, and Houston, the same thing, get, get a healthy Will Fuller back, Brandon Cooks. You know, all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm super excited to see kind of coaching and where they go um, and uh, and how, how that affects the, the landscape.
0: Well, you have this league now where everybody's over the moon about passing and used to be somebody would pile up big passing stats, and you might assume that that team had a losing record because they were throwing in garbage time or something like that. I think mostly we've all graduated from that, but who led the league in passing yards this year? Deshaun Watson. There you At go. Four, 4 and 12 more than Mahomes more than Allen all those other guys more than Brady at uh, 4800 plus yards for Deshaun Watson. And speaking of Watson, you think about quarterbacks for next year, the the conversation is always how to wait and not pick Lamar Jackson this year or Mahomes the year before too early in in redrafts. But boy Adam, that is a lo- that's going to be a longer list. Allen Herbert and others for next year it's going to make that I'm not sure if it's going to be less true but you're going to have more names.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> you're right there's going to be a, a lot of names and it's funny cuz usually like I don't really study the top of the quarterback board as much as maybe other people or maybe as much as I should. Like I just I never take a quarterback high so a lot of those usually like the top 5 6 quarterbacks I'm not super focused on i have my opinions on and i can obviously see the landscape see what's going on i like to kind of focus my efforts in other areas team building and receivers running backs tight ends and all that but yeah once you get down it's going to push a lot of those guys kind of down to the middle rounds there you know guys that were maybe up in the top five last year you know i mean even looking at a couple rankings here like Herbert Burrow Rogers like are those guys going to be you know the bottom half of the top 10 next year is Rogers going to stay up top because the year that he had are they finally going to give Rogers more weapons there to to work with and if they do my god like what (laughs) what what would the what would that offense have been this year if they would have drafted any one of these first or second round receivers that had that had good years you know so you know to go along with um, those quarterbacks that get though that get those rushing yards like Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen, Dak will be back. So it's a super exciting year. Yeah. L- l- like you said, for these quarterbacks and passing. And it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, I think one of the things I'm gonna focus on next year too is just how to how do the quarterbacks and how do specifically the rushing quarterbacks, because those guys are so good for fantasy, right? Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Dak. You know th- those guys are so good for fantasy, but what does it do to their running backs, right? Because I see a lot of the, the the J.K. Dobbins hype and a lot of the, you know, well, you see what happened to the to the Cardinals backfield this year. It just was it was it was meh, right? You know, so. and Buffalo. And Buffalo, yeah. I mean, you know, you got Josh Allen, just never ever ever checks down, which I love, I love as, as for for my quarterback. I want him to sling it, but what does it do to the running backs there? So yeah, I think quarterback is going to be fun next year to, to draft. I think you can probably pull a name out of a hat and be just fine. Um, but it's going to be, you know, schedule. Who do you want to stack them with? You know, all all, the, all that type stuff. You know, what quarterback's going to take that next step? Because there's always that guy that gets taken 10, 11, 12, or guys like Justin Herbert who come out of nowhere that finish in the top five, top six, and really um, really move your team uh, to the next level.
0: Right. You mentioned a couple of guys that I didn't think of for this point. I know there's a lot of names. Burrow is one of them. Burrow one of the the few quarterbacks in the league who was really productive that got hurt. I mean, most of these guys you're looking at for this year played in every game or if not every game, like Mahomes and Roethlisberger, they sat the last week. Jackson missed one game with COVID. Cam Newton missed only one game also with COVID. You mentioned Murray. He's hurt in the end. He played in every game. And Prescott, of course, he was injured, and he's somebody who belongs. But we've probably rattled off almost half the quarterbacks in the league without mentioning Russell Wilson. And, yep. and that's really like, that's kind of the point. There's lots of ways to make it, but you have a lot of options there next year. And if, you, if you're if you in a 12 team redraft next year and you pick your quarterback last, who is it? It's one of these guys that we've been talking about. Like, so it and might even be really more, more than ever. You want to wait.
1: Yeah. And that's why I'm loving these two quarterback leagues, right? These yeah. super flex leagues. Cause the quarterback position is the most important position in sports. I think and to have you know a fantasy where you're just like writing them off, like, yeah, they're all good, whatever, who cares? Like I, I hate that. Like I love quarterbacks, I love watching them play, I love all that stuff. I love rooting for them. So to get these super flex leagues where you gotta take them a little higher, you gotta take a couple more of them, that's fun to me. It's fun to me to kind of dive into the quarterback position and really try to really really try to get that right.
0: Well, as we wrap up tonight and then look forward to tomorrow talking more about the FFPC playoff challenge. Do you have a Maybe you haven't gotten this far. I don't know. But do you have a favorite quarterback idea for if you had one lineup for this? Do
1: you know where you where you might want to end up? Is that a loaded question, Mike? I mean, I think you already know where I'm going. With you this. have to be on, Allen. I mean, yeah, I know Allen. you're a fan.
0: This is our first year together. I know you're a fan, but I, know. I didn't know you built your, you your teams. That's a nice coincidence if your your team is as good as that one.
1: And that's it. It's been such a nice coincidence. Normally I'm the guy that hedges my heart, right? Like I'm the guy who, who bets against the bills in the playoffs because Hey, if they lose, at least I make some money on it. But this year I'm like, so Josh Allen's my, you know, I think he's, he's good. He's not just a a, a heart pick. I think I like him. I like his matchups. I like his ability to kind of go further, but outside of Josh Allen, I really like Tom Tom Brady again. You know, I think he's got, I think he's got a nice match up there with Washington. Washington's got a tough defense; and they got a tough D line. But if they can protect him, I think he can. I think he can light up Washington. I think he can get in a shootout in the next round. Would that be New Orleans? Is that who that would be? Or would
0: Depends. that? Be- it would be Green Bay. Green unless Bay. There's an upset at two or three. If the okay. Seahawks or the Saints lose, then it would be someone else. But otherwise, it'd be one versus five in Tampa and Green Bay.
1: Okay, so yeah, I just feel like Brady in the playoffs if Mike Evans is there too they said he might he might play this week if he might play this week he'll probably play the next week if he's available but i just think they were clicking finally at all cylinders the last 3 or 4 weeks uh he's a killer it's going to be in, in the playoffs so i think Brady's my other guy so I've, I've built two lineups so far and i've got allen in one brady in the other and allen and brady getting to play possibly four games plus that those double points so like if he if Brady goes to the super bowl And you've got him and he's playing against Mahomes and a bunch of people have Mahomes. Well, Brady, you know, already had that extra game, you know, so I think that's the appeal to Brady. That's the appeal to Allen, to Lamar Jackson, to those non by week quarterbacks is in this year, unlike years past where you have two bye weeks for the AFC and the NFC, um, you know, Washington, could you consider them a bye week? You know they are, are they a bye week with point with points baked into it. You know so I don't know that's kind of the way I look at it with with Brady. I never want to bet against Brady in, in the playoffs. So um, I think that would be my my other guy.
0: I do think Washington could give him a hard game. Well, you've yeah. got your guy in Allen, and I think if you were drafting in a playoff format, maybe people watching have different you know, home leagues or whatever where you're drafting teams and nobody will have, you know, one one guy will be on only one team, unlike the FFPC tournament. Maybe Allen is the number one pick or the number one quarterback pick in a format like that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, and I know last year maybe scarred people in this tournament with Jackson. I mean, like Austin talked about how there was a feeling that you just had to have him. And he did have a monster stat game in that loss to Tennessee. But, of course, it was only one game. I think this year he, he is interesting again, though. They are favored in Tennessee. Tennessee is giving up a zillion points. Yes. And he did rush for a 1,000 yards. Marquise Brown has been rolling the yep. last six touchdowns in six games, two on, on Sunday. I mean, I think Brown is even, is even playable. But you're probably going to want to do somebody there. And the way the lineups get built, you know, you don't want your quarterback to be sort of a, a throwaway.
1: I don't know. I mean, there'll yeah. be
0: there'll be teams, plenty of teams with Jackson on it. I think it makes sense. And I think also that uh, Brown makes sense.
1: Yeah, 100%. I love, and I think there could be some rocks, you know, because then you can go maybe a Lamar Jackson, Stefan Diggs. If, you, you know, if you want to get off Allen or a Lamar Jackson, Diggs and Chris Godwin, you know what I mean? There's just so many with all the flexes and you can certainly find a great lineup. I've been finding myself more on Dobbins only because I haven't gotten to Lamar yet. Um, but I, but I'll get there, you know. And and those lineups, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel comfortable about those too, and excited because, like you said, they're gonna even if they lose to Tennessee, which I don't think they're gonna. I think they're gonna beat Tennessee. He's gonna put up a big game, I think. And then, if everything holds to form, he gets Kansas City, I think. Right where where he that's going to be a shootout, probably. So, yeah, you never want to bet against a guy who can run for two hundred yards at the quarterback position, and and that's certainly an exciting uh, exciting spot there to 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 find a lineup where you can get Lamar Jackson in there with with again with that extra game plus the double points in the, in the Super Bowl.
0: Can you see them? The question ultimately may be: Can you see them getting to the Super Bowl? Which would be probably three road wins, Tennessee, Kansas City, Buffalo, something like that. I mean, that is a big hill for a team that has not won a playoff game yet uh, in these two years. But they are favored. I think the numbers are interesting there that they're favored like they are at Tennessee. Tennessee's good. Beat them last year, beat them this year, but they're still a home dog to uh, the Ravens. Home field advantage, not big this year in the league, but uh, still something. That they're favored there well again we have tomorrow night to break more of this down it's and I'll with, with uh with matt and jared uh thanks adam thanks to austin martin again for being with us and everybody watching happy new year good luck with your lineups and we'll, we'll meet back here tomorrow and talk about them some more see you guys